my name is Laura Foster, Programme Manager of Tech and Innovation at Tech UK, and welcome to Tech UK's podcast. This episode of Tech UK's podcast is a roundup of our recent Blockchain Basics series. The Blockchain Basics series was a collection of short webinars by industry leaders created to build understanding of what blockchain will mean to the UK tech sector and equip listeners with the knowledge to utilise blockchain for innovation in the UK. As you will hear from speakers later on, this series was intent on cutting through the hype and explaining what the opportunities and challenges of blockchain will be in the coming years. We have brought together four speakers to explore key themes of blockchain in this episode today. Firstly, you will hear from Kate Beaucherel, co-founder of the Sphere Network and lecturer at Teesside University, who gives a fantastic overview as to what blockchain is and what this means for UK businesses. Then you will hear from Roger Oates, who is a consulting partner at Tata Consultancy Services and chair of Tech UK's DLT Working Group. He sets blockchain in the context of tech innovation and industrial revolution, and in doing so, starts to address how blockchain will revolutionize businesses in the years to come. Our third speaker is Vera Johnson, co-founder of Circular, a UK blockchain success story. Vera gives the perspective of a blockchain business in the UK and crucially describes positive use cases of blockchain that often go under the radar. And then finally, we are joined by Alex Davies, who is head of technology at 6.6, who will explore all you need to know about blockchain as a security tool, as well as some of the security challenges around blockchain itself. Tech UK has a whole work stream on blockchain currently taking place. And after today's podcast, if you would like to learn more, please do not hesitate to reach out. Now, on with the podcast. Hi, my name's Kate Borcherelle, and I'm here to talk to you about blockchain and the UK tech landscape for Tech UK. Blockchain is an absolutely fascinating and transformational technology and, and it is a rapidly maturing technology that has sparked some real business success over the last few years. But don't take my word for it. Um, Gartner published their Hype Cycle for Blockchain 2021. Yes, it does have its own hype cycle and they can see, as they put it, more action than hype. Cryptocurrencies are really starting to get towards productivity and finding their niche and their uh, adoption in places that we really wouldn't even imagine. And we're seeing block blockchain platforms, platforms as a service coming through more and more quickly as the benefits to enterprise are realized. I want to take you through the, the way that the, the, the UK landscape has evolved uh, and the successes that we've seen over the last few years. But first, let's put blockchain into a little bit of context. So where did blockchain come from? Well, it's the technology that underpins Bitcoin, which was the very first cryptocurrency. And Bitcoin was, was 30 years in the making. It started off with the work of cryptographers like Ralph Merkel and David Chome in the late 70s and early 80s, who were looking at the way that data could be, could be crunched up into tiny, tiny parcels, uh, the Merkel tree, and were looking at the security of data in vaults that we almost now understand as, as wallets and as, as um, elements of blockchain. And over those 30 years, the technology and the landscape changed. 
um, there was a push to try and uh, establish a peer-to-peer payment system, for instance. Out of that came the cards that we use day to day. And digital payment platforms like PayPal evolved along the same time. Cryptography and the, and encryption uh, became much more uh, widespread and used um, in public domain when the US, believe it or not, decided it was no longer a weapon. And the crypto anarchist movement who had fought for that um, started to look in a lot more detail around what would happen if you wanted to make payments or seal contracts when there is no central authority to manage that, to manage the record of your transactions. And in 2008, so Halloween 2008, up popped Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. It's a really simple paper. Uh, I highly recommend reading it. Um, it's, It's actually very simple to understand and it gives you a real feel for the core of the concept of blockchain. Um, There's no real coincidence that it arrived in 2008, just as there'd been a run on the banks, just as the financial crisis was getting underway, and uh, as if we needed that confirming when the first Bitcoin was minted in the Genesis block, there's actually a little message that says the Chancellor is on the brink of the second bailout for banks, just as a reminder that peer-to-peer electronic cash uh, is a way of keeping an honest ledger without a central authority. And this is what Bitcoin gave us. It gave us that honest ledger. It gave us a ledger of record that wasn't under anybody's control. So blockchain, the technology underpinning Bitcoin and underpinning all subsequent cryptocurrencies, although with different technical um, bases, different technical frameworks, gives us a transparent, trusted, time-stamped audit trail. So blockchain is literally a chain of blocks in the simplest state. It is a chain of blocks of transactions. And because those those blocks are are chained together, they all reference each other. Data that's anchored on the blockchain is there to stay. So we have accountability, responsibility and trust in the data. Even the automation that takes place on this software is, is transparent. So you can drill down and see what was governing that transaction? What fees were chargeable? Was it a a payment of a coin from me to you? Or is this uh, the acceptance of goods on a supply chain and then payment being split three ways automatically, every time, publicly and without a central authority in control? We're starting to see, I mentioned the, 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 we're starting to see things around the, um, the social impact of blockchain and understanding that anybody who's a party to a ledger can benefit from the audit trail and the reliability of the data that is on there. Um, so we have uh, a public view um, and public use of a ledger Uh, in public blockchains like Ethereum and and, and others. And then we have the the permissioned parties, so people who are allowed to get onto private blockchains. So all parties can benefit from the ledger. They have improved data for audit, and we're seeing um, real reduction in costs from the use of this golden copy of data, not just with currencies, but with any asset that can be recorded. 
So we move in a, an enterprise sense from an asset is a coin moving from one person to another to, well, an asset could be anything moving from one place to another. So we start to see the touch points of assets from durian fruit to luxury watches and beyond being recorded on this ledger and providing considerably more data about the movement of an asset, drilling a long way down into the supply chain for assets, for example. Non-fungible tokens, NFTs that you may have heard of around the, the exchange of artworks or, the, um, or gaming, these are actually part of the supply chain landscape in multiple industries. Um, so from literally from, from fruit production all the way through to finance, following the trail of a fruit or following the trail of a, of a grant that has been paid out. We have digital twins of physical assets reliably secured um, on chain with myriad um, links to the physical asset to be absolutely certain that you have this, this verifiable twin. We can attach details of every step of the progress of any asset um, to each of the touch points in that chain. And at, the, at, the, at the, the very basic level, we can give consumers more information on the source, the sustainability of the goods that they're buying, and even give them secondary market pricing information, usage advice, disposal advice, and so on. So from a simple idea of just want to be able to make a payment without the bank being involved, we've moved to uh, extraordinary possibilities that are being harnessed by companies um, throughout the world. And we have seen some real problems being solved. Uh, very early on, hackathons that were held in London looked at social impact. What were the social problems that had not been solved? Could this new technology um, address those problems? And there have been some marvellous examples of challenges that are finally being met because this technology can be added to the technology stack that everybody is, is using. We have been leaders in regulation and compliance. There's been an awful lot of, um, of cooperation, collaboration between innovators and legislators and regulators to make sure that the use of blockchain and of cryptocurrencies is um, as, um, as safe and as reliable as it can be while not stifling innovation. We have enormous, we have huge um, companies championing distributed ledger development. So distributed ledger and blockchain are uh, these days interchangeable terms, I think, a little like vacuum and hoover, uh, but technically a blockchain is a type of distributed ledger. So IBM have been championing that distributed ledger technology development. And we see new tools coming through all of the time for business and for enterprise. I could honestly talk forever about all of the different examples, but I'm going to just pick out a handful um, in the little time that I have left. So let's start with one of the winners of one of the very early hackathons in 2016 in London. AgriLedger started looking at how um, collaboration along the supply chain in agricultural rural communities could make a difference, could have a social impact. And they went on to uh, start working with the World Bank in Haiti 
around uh, a goal of tackling poverty in those communities. And the AgriLedger supply chain system records the movement of assets, in this case mangoes, in fact, uh, along that blockchain. They keep the ownership of the mangoes with the farmers all the way to market. So they're not, um, they're not obliged to take the first price that's offered to them by the next person in the chain. And through this collaboration that is being engendered by the blockchain structure uh, and the behavior around that structure, we have better access to market. All of the people involved are incentivized to sell for the best price because they get a share of the, the, the price that is, um, that is achieved. And we have that audit trail that starts to offer access to cash for growth and mitigate risk in the trade finance gap. Um, when this was launched, in fact, the revenues of the farmers improved by a seven and a half multiplier. So 7.5 times their original income. So meeting challenges all along the way. Another, I'm doing this in alphabetical order because it seems, it seems the easiest way to do it. So um, another great success story from the UK is bottle pay. And this is more on the, the, the uh, using the, harnessing the cryptocurrency side, using Lightning Network, which is a, um, a layer above Bitcoin for instant and cheap micropayments. And what is fascinating about this from an enterprise point of view is the idea that actually micropayments can become a practical part of an enterprise business model. At the moment, if you want to read an article on a newspaper, then you have to you know, log in, give all your details, give your bank, you know, sort out your payment. There's a lot of data being collected there to support the payment. There's a lot of trust that needs to be established and all for reading one article. You, it is not even economic to subscribe to read a single article. This kind of micropayment opens that door to businesses who want to use micropayments but are put off by the, the cost of doing so and the uh, consumers are put off by the cost by the amount of data that they have to share. Um, Bottle Pay was actually acquired in uh, just in November, just uh, at the start of this month and um, by a, a large um, company in the US. So a really great success story for the UK. Another fantastic uh, example is Circular. Um, in the words of their CEO, they are meeting the defining challenge of our age. The defining challenge, of course, is carbon emissions. Um, as they say, you can't manage what you can't measure. And this technology has enabled them to start measuring scope three emissions. So scope three emissions, for those that don't know, are the, the ones that you can't see. They're the, they're the ones down the supply chain. So I can tell you what the emissions are on my, on my desk in my house, but I can't tell you the emissions of the person who built my PC. Whereas here, starting with the Cobalt blockchain, as uh, the Cobalt supply chain, they established a complex chain of, a, a complex tracking of the chain of custody through those changes of state of that Cobalt ore all the way to electric vehicle batteries. And at each touch point, you're collecting data on the blockchain and they have collected the emissions, the carbon emissions at each touch point. So they're able at the end to say to the, the, the uh, electric vehicle um, users like Volvo and Daimler and Volkswagen and Jaguar Land Rover and others, 
these are the carbon emissions related to that uh, battery. This is all of them. It's an extraordinary achievement. Another thing that is crossing the world, uh, this goes back some time, it was one of the earliest blockchain initiatives that I came across, was in Shorewave. Um, and this was a consortium with Ernst & Young, Microsoft, um, Guard Time, XL Catlin, it's part of AXA now, Amlins and Willis Tower Watson. And they wanted to track um, the hulls of cargo ships. And the goal, the goal was to be able to reconcile, not have to reconcile every year their, um, their insurance uh, premiums, but to simply do things in real time. But because they had enabled sensors in each of these hulls, now this is expanding to gather an extraordinary amount of data to benefit people who are shipping, who are using cargo ships, who are calculating premiums as they go through war zones in live time. So um, a mature technology that started off here in the UK. Another one uh, in just here on Teesside, where I'm sitting right now, uh, we have Kraken, who have been working with the culture uh, around con construction and the idea that you have uh, document-led records rather than ledgers of record. Blockchain gives us this ledger of record that can show you the, uh, the changes and, the, in and the, the, the things that have gone on from the original design all the way through to decommissioning. Um, and they are developing, they're seeing new behaviours um, in, for instance, the approval of design changes because the accountability from putting that design change, a change of materials, for instance, into uh, the design and onto the blockchain um, means that the actual physical rigorous approval processes um, have um, become they've become more rigorous and they are also starting to build that carbon footprint into the materials costs for um, these holistic ledgers of uh, construction record and finally, down in, in Guernsey, um, there was a wonderful initiative around compliance. Uh, Northern Trust Bank um, did some fabulous work around uh, private equity blockchain and ensuring that auditors could have direct access to fund transactions. And they, they sought different problems and solved them with blockchain. For instance, meeting economic substance regulations in, Jern, in, in Guernsey and also um, starting to look at how legal clauses and smart contracts could be uh, combined and work together. So there are some quite extraordinary examples and I know I've run out of time. So just to leave you with this, transparency and trust are being achieved with blockchain and industry leaders are delivering demonstrable benefits. Integration with Internet of Things, machine learning, smart data are going to provide rounded solutions to the problems that we've not been able to solve so far. Thank you very much. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening. Hi, I'm Roger Oates. I'm currently the chair of Tech UK's blockchain um, team. I'm also a consulting partner with Tata Consultancy Services, focused primarily on the financial services industry, but with a strong interest in blockchain and how blockchain is transforming and revolutionizing our, the clients we work with. So today, what am I going to be talking about? Um, so 
is the next revolution. How will blockchain revolutionize businesses? And so if I look for kind of, that's a big topic to cover and it's a difficult one to get the head around. And when I was thinking about this, um, I started with the quote, the further backwards you look, the further forward you can see, which is a quote by Winston Churchill. And why I started with there is to understand the potential impact of blockchain on industry and the future. I think it's important to look backwards to see what has impacted on on business, on industry, on the world we op, we, the world we live in today, from what's happened in the past. And we've got a lovely picture of um, the Stevenson's rocket there on the right hand side, which had a significant impact on the future, our futures, on the world we operate in. The steam engine, as most of you are aware, was the most significant development of its age and probably one of the most significant in history full stop. It, it allowed at most, almost every aspect of, in, of life and industry to be transformed. Uh, it allowed huge and unprecedented increases in population, social, technology, and economic change. The standard of living for the general population also increased substantially during that period and post that period. So looking backwards, we've seen the impact that the, the steam engine had on, the, on life as we know it at that point in time. And it's really, so when we look at that impact, how does blockchain compare to what happened then to what's, what happens today to what happened then? Kind of moving on. So... The steam engine was probably the, was the first industrial revolution the, where there was a significant growth in steam power. The, then, we fun, then we fundamentally had, since that first industrial revolution, a second, a third, and a fourth. Each of those industrial revolutions have brought significant changes through, and have delivered significant changes through technology. And We've, we've had three to date, and a lot of people look at the world today and, and think we're going through the fourth um, industrial revolution, where blockchain is considered to be one of the key enablers of that fourth industrial revolution. Kind of the question which really trying to address is, will blockchain or DLT, as is sometimes referred to, have the same impact as those three previous industrial revolutions have had on business? When we look at each of those three industrial revolutions that we've experienced to date, they've all had significant impact in, or had significant characteristics which are in common to each of them. They've all brought evolution in interaction or communication, in connectivity, in price transparency, standardization and access, and trust and reliability. And each of those revolutions have brought the development of the unicorns or the major or major industries, new businesses at that point in time. What we're going to do is go and look at each of those characteristics of each revolution and see what, what, why transform businesses and try and understand, does blockchain have a similar impact or potentially will blockchain have a similar impact to those the, the transformational characteristics. So we'll start with the interaction and communication. Each revolution has witnessed a leap in communication, which is the aid to the growth of trade via price transparency. The first revolution was led by developments in steam-powered printing and telegraph. The second 
was led by development in telephone, radio, and television. The third, by the internet and social media, which has allowed individuals to communicate with individuals around the world in a seamless fashion for the first time. However, today, most communication, despite that, is still very centralized via platforms for much of the wheels of commerce. Many, many futurists and people looking at the fourth industrial revolution will see a shift of communication and interaction from those centralized models which exist today for commerce to very decentralized models of the future. And those decentralized models of the future require a technology that allows individuals, businesses to communicate with each other via then operating through a centralized exchange. And one of the key characteristics of blockchain technology is the, the ability for individuals and organizations to collaborate, communicate, and exchange in that decentralized fashion, in a, in a, in a, in a decentralized fashion. And so DLT is seen, or blockchain technology, is seen to be a core component part of the next industrial revolution because it allows that ability to communicate and interact on a decentralized fashion between organizations and individuals. The second key of the characteristics of each of the industrial revolutions which we've experienced to date is connectivity. If you think about it, the, the steam engine, or what, what it achieved in allowing connectivity between distributed settlements was a significant improvement on walking or the horse, which was the previous forms of communication between different settlements. And the second revolution, which speeded that up with the, with the development of the internal combustion engine and national roads, which brought even greater connectivity between communities, cities, organizations, and, and the world. The third revolution has been really associated where we moved from physical to the virtual and the World Wide Web and Internet has brought greater connectivity between organizations and individuals at the, at the click of a button rather than having the need to travel. Each of those developments in technology have led to great developments in civilization. The, one, of the, one of the things which we're seeing with the, with the global economy now is that shift as well from being a product-based economy to very much a service-based economy. And as the economy and the world shifts from products to services, we need a, we need a greater capability for individuals and organizations to communicate and connect between each other. The, this connectivity, which was historically been done via centralized organizations who acted as intermediary, but in the world where we're now moving to operate in, where we're moving to much more of a services-based economy, the ability to provide connectivity between individuals rather than via an intermediary will become increasingly important. Coming back to the kind of the, the first point about interaction and communication, one of the, the key elements of blockchain or DLT technology is the ability to provide that interconnectivity between individuals and organizations on a direct basis or a decentralized basis, rather than having to deal via centralized intermediaries. The third characteristic of each revolution has been price transparency. Trade and growth in trade has been driven by the ability for individuals to know what their goods and services are worth and encouraging them to trade. The 
the first the first revolution allowed individuals to know what the price was in their local market without actually having to physically go to it. The second allowed really much more price transparency in national markets, so regional markets became national markets. And the third revolution, where the growth in services has brought much more global markets rather than than local national markets, has allowed a huge amount of growth in international trade. And growth, and growth in the global economy over the last 20 to 30 years. But however, coming back to the intermediaries point, still that growth and that price transparency depends on intermediaries. The next revolution or the revolution which we're currently under, going through will provide the opportunity to reimagine that transaction value chain and the role of intermediaries as the blockchain provides the ability for greater price transparency between parties without the need to have a trusted inter- intermediary in sitting in the middle. When you, when you take out that intermediary, you take out friction between parties, hopefully encouraging greater trade and greater opportunity for, for, it, for business going forward. Already in many markets, those, tr- those intermediaries have disappeared, but the blockchain will allow in the more difficult to markets, greater gr- the disintermediation of the traditional intermediaries. One of the things which we've been working on in a market which is still wedded in the traditional intermediaries is the insurance market, the global insurance market, where there's a very, very complex value chain and value exchange between multiple parties. The reason for that is because of the complexity of the existing value stream, the the complexity of sharing information between multiple parties in a seamless, frictionless fashion. Blockchain or DLT technology allows that information which is required between those multiple parties to be shared in a trusted, seamless fashion, removing the need for an individual party or body to be able to move that information from one party to another party. So there's significant opportunity for further cost savings and price price discovery and ability to transform the industry that they operate in. The fourth one is the standardization and access. In reality, the first re- the first revolution brought a, a shift from a cottage industry to factory automation. The second, from standardisation and products of of products, so the the development of the motor car. Where before each each car was an individual, we got actually Henry Henry T Ford was able with Henry Ford with the was able to start manufacturing cars in an in automated fashion. So every car was the same. The third revolution has extended that standardization from products to services, but arguably what blockchain will do will provide much more standardization as blockchain is as blockchain technology requires parties and individuals to interact and engage with each other and but to engage and interact with each other they need to have standards to allow them to communicate and to operate using the example where we start you're using an example of a railway line um, there's no point building a railway line if nobody can access the uh, the the trains are unable to run on it so the advent of DLT or blockchain technology will encourage organizations to look to standardize much more their products and services, open them up to other third parties to use. So we'll we'll encourage the, the products and services to become much more standardized, which allow them to be much more tradable, discoverable, and exchangeable, which will hopefully generate more value going forward. The, the final and key element of the key characteristics of each revolution is trust and reliability. 
Um, the first or the first revolution brought a, a shift of trust from just beyond from the people to you know to people well people in your immediate circle to people who you came into contact with and the, the ability to, the trust to transact with with parties who you weren't aware of um the each of the subsequent revolutions has extended that that circle of trust to to other parties but for many industries and for many sec segments there's still a lack of trust between other parties will they pay you what's the quality of the goods and services that they're planning to deliver the uh, arguably the fourth industrial revolution with with dlt blockchain technology at the core will allow that certainty of and that trust and reliability of both will the services goods be delivered will when the, when they're put on a ship when a product is put on a ship in hong kong it'll actually turn up in london they, what was said in in the manifest in Hong Kong is as a hundred boxes of of widgets will be hundred boxes of widgets, and the pr the price that's going to be paid will be will be paid when the when it's confirmed that or, that the goods have been delivered, increasing the trust and reliability of third parties to interact with people who sit outside their existing circle of trust. So each of those each each revolution. Or business revolution has been characterized has a number of characteristics. Blockchain exhibits or will enable each of those characteristics to to expand beyond where they are, creating greater opportunity for business and trade between multiple parties. One of the key questions is probably: Will the blockchain revolution be will it will surpass the impact of the previous revolutions? There is a view in terms of the, the fourth revolution or the revolution that we're in now and is much more rapid and fast and have, has the ability to have a much more significant impact on future generations than any of the pre three previous revolutions that we've experienced. And this is a quote by Klaus Schwab, founder and chief executive of the World Economic Forum, who's looking at it. And his pro he, the view is it promises to disrupt even today's digital systems and create entirely new systems of wealth, turn the breakthroughs in digital technologies that organizations are struggling to make sense with today to core infrastructure and business models that we will take for granted for tomorrow. So fundamentally, the belief is that blockchain technology has the ability to, to have a much more significant impact on the world and the future development than even the, the first industrial revolution had with the, the advent of the steam engine. We're moving from an economy that's, that's powered by natural resources and physical labor to one in which knowledge and the mind will become the, the key means or the dominant means of production. To enable this knowledge-based economy, peer-to-peer -peer networks will increasingly replicate national or traditional value propositions, forcing traditional base businesses to embrace platform business models where they enable value creation versus creating it themselves. What we're going to see with the advent of blockchain is much more, what we talked about is the is those platform or ecosystem businesses going forward, which allow much more creation of value beyond traditional products and services. As a result, companies will develop a much more fluid sense of what is inside and what is outside their, their core boundaries. What does a business do? One of the key things we're working with with many clients is when there's looking as moving beyond their core proposition. What we've here in banking is beyond banking, where traditionally banks have provided 
products. They want to move much more into services. So rather than if they're dealing with an SME, small, medium-sized enterprise customer, or is not just providing them an overdraft or a loan or financing or insurance, but helping that business grow, how do they help their customers to be really successful as their customers become more and look at all the services that those that their customer needs and move beyond pure financing into that service into providing a broader range of services which allow their their customers to be much more successful and so what we'll see is a, a much more of an evolution of value systems and networks as organizations look to extend beyond their core products and propositions today to be in that platform or ecosystem-based model. So just in conclusion, um, this is this, how will blockchain revolutionize business. It made a mockery of all that had gone before it. Ian Morris, he was actually not talking about um, the blockchain, but actually talking about coming back to the steam, the steam engine. Um, existing business practices have evolved over multiple years, a period of time from face-to-face -to, -face to, to paper-based processing to limited digitalization and advanced automation. Blockchain, in my view, can enable the next revolution. But to enable that next revolution, organizations and businesses need to evolve their business models to become much more of that customer-facing, customer-centric, creating a platform of services, moving beyond just providing a product to customers. The market structures and transaction value chains then need to be reimagined to take advantage of the blockchain and the, the distributed ledger technology. This will not be easy as organizations and mature organizations and businesses find it difficult to really reimagine themselves. They're very good at doing incremental change to what they do today, but to fundamentally reimagine their business models and how they're going to deliver value to their shareholders and sell products and services to their customers needs to, needs to change. Many of our clients of TCS are thinking about that, but to be honest, and they're very much the, the foundation stages of that evolution in their business models. So I'm a firm believer that blockchain will have a revolutionary impact on business and, and significant impact on the future of business. Whether it'll make a mockery of all that's gone before, not sure, but hopefully it will. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to talk on this series. I'm Vera Johnson. I'm the co-founder of Circular. We're a technology business that focuses on providing traceability within supply chains to enable our clients to make more informed decisions about ethical sourcing and responsible recycling. I'm quite excited and I'm in a very fortunate position within Circular as I'm involved in many aspects of the business, all the way from being a very small startup to now being a medium-sized business growing internationally. I get involved in supporting customers, I get involved in supporting the sales processes. I also get involved in contributing to and shaping some of the most important policies around sustainability across the UK and um, increasingly so the US. And a huge part of that is about how do we as a company, working with our clients and with the data that we're collecting, make an impact on supporting action for climate crisis, and not just talking about words, but being able to prove it. And 
one of the things I'm most proud of is working with Tech UK as a partner, and in particular, looking at um, example use cases, genuine use cases, of where blockchain has really made a difference. So let me take you through Circular and what we do. Our mission is to make the world's most complex supply chains transparent as possible in order that we can genuinely help prevent the exploitation of our people and our planet, both through manufacturing and recycling um, supply chains. And, that, and one of the biggest challenges that we have is that supply chains are complex and they're global. And therefore, transparency is one of the key enablers to driving proper informed action. So why is circular important and what do we do that is impactful? So organizations are facing increasing pressure, particularly from stakeholders such as consumers, such as their investors, such as um, the media, for example, but also in terms of the new regulations, particularly the requirements for transparency in materials provenance. And we've seen a lot of this throughout Europe, where the EU battery regulations, the German supply chain regulations, are putting so much pressure on manufacturers to demonstrate that their raw material has been sourced from sustainable and ethical sources, and that child labor is not being used, and that human rights have not been infringed. There's also, uh, on top of that, the things that we've seen over the last 18 months, particularly driven by COVID, the importance of improving resilience in resource supply chains, but also in terms of resource security, such that the end product isn't diminished in any way in terms of quality or in price. Equally, the climate action to ensure that the move to energy transition and better energy usage is the absolute focus area to get to the Paris Agreement, particularly around the 2% um, the change that we all need to achieve. So there's some of the things that we're seeing in the market that is driving the need for transparency fundamentally within the supply chains. And we all know that you know, over eight, eight supply chains in particular contribute to over 50% of the global emissions. So if we can tackle transparency and better sourcing and more efficient and resourceful supply chain management, then we have a fighting chance of actually getting to net zero. So in terms of the mission that we have and what we do and how that translates, our traceability solution effectively maps the actual raw material as it comes out of supply chains. And what you'll see here are some examples of the clients that we're currently working with to do exactly that. For Traffic Euro, we're providing the traceability for the nickel and cobalt in their supply chains. And as we track the material, we're tracking the carbon emission footprint both scope one direct, the scope two bought in, and the scopes we inherited all the way through that, such that there is an entire 100% view of the supply chain transparency, but also the resource emissions as part of that. For Polestar, which is an exciting project, we're tracking all of the materials that go into the manufacture of the entire car, such that they can prove that by 2030, they're producing the net zero car of the future. And that includes the traceability of the steel, the glass, the leather, the plastics, the engine materials, the tire, the materials into the EV battery. Another exciting project is British Vault. 
who are the well the European's largest um, giga plant. And for them, we're doing something very unique. We're tracing all of the materials for construction on the plant, such as the green aluminium, the concrete, the brickwork, the um, even the food coming onto site during that construction phase, including the carbon emission footprint, such that over a 25 year period, we can look at the environmental and social and economic impact of that giga plant on the immediate vicinity, the immediate 25 mile radius and the local economy. As we then move into, once they go into production, tracing the raw materials into their lithium ion battery production. Another great example is we're working with BHP and Southwire to be the first project to trace a carbon neutral copper delivery program. So there are examples of who we're working with currently. So what do we actually do? And this is where the blockchain element comes into this. Our solution tags and tracks the actual commodity itself and the materials as they physically change state. We do that by using Hyperledger Fabric as one of the core elements of our solution to create an immutable record of trust from the point at which the material is scanned into the supply chain. For example, if we're tracking Cobalt for Volvo, we're tracking all the way from the artisanal miner at a mine site, scanning in the facial recognition to ensure that it's an authorized individual, that they're within the right mine site, that the material has a known provenance. As it enters the refining process, the, the digital twin inherits the identity of the previous material. By doing that, we're building a chain of custody using a series of um, mobile applications, IoT scanners, and um, smart intelligence in order to codify the journey that the material goes through. As part of that blockchain record, all the way through to the end product, which means that that machine learning and the business logic helps us detect unusual activity. So for example, checking that material from an unknown source or suspect activity hasn't been introduced. We're encoding the actual chemistry and the, the, the physical process that the material goes through. And through that journey from mine site through to final assembly, we're able to attribute and track the carbon usage throughout that supply chain. And why that's important is that most organizations have lost visibility beyond their tier one supplier, such that they have visibility all the way through to be able to, to, be able to demonstrably prove the provenance of their raw material. Equally, that supply chain intelligence, that data, enables them to get real control of the supply chain and really understand you know, where there are issues that they need to tackle. But also it gives them the ability to make those informed decisions to not only make those claims about the ESG commitments that they're making as an organization, they can now actually prove them. And that is such a powerful thing to do as we go into, for example, COP26 next week, what I would forecast would be that the expectations as the world leaders get together is that there'll be more and more demands on organizations, particularly manufacturers and recyclers, to demonstrate proof of provenance and proof of their climate action programs. And therefore the expectation to report against that will increase.
So by creating that digital twin right at the source of the product or material journey, what we're doing by using elements of blockchain is that we're creating that trust in the supply chain that previously didn't exist. And that is giving our clients confidence with the data points because it's collecting dynamic real-time data. So not through audit, not through one-time spot checks. It's giving them that dynamic data in order for them to take action within their supply chains, but also in terms of having informed discussions with their suppliers such that they're collaborating more, they're making joint decisions, and they're jointly starting to make changes in how they interact with each other. One of the other things that is starting to happen increasingly is that the tier one and the OEM manufacturers and recyclers are starting to pass down the chain, code of compliance and code of conduct, of how the behaviors of the supply chain should be reinforced, what they expect to see in terms of good practice, what they expect to see in terms of good behaviors. And that is starting to create a shift in the role of procurement and sustainability within organizations, right down the supply chain, such that those conversations are encouraging a greater level of conversation at the top team, and especially at the C-suite, which is enabling organizations to really stand bold and make those sustained impact statements, which means that procurement itself now has a voice at the top table in order to enforce systemic change to embed sustainability as one of the core drivers for achieving climate action. And that's something that we're seeing more and more of as we start to roll this out into you know, wider supply chains globally. The other key thing that is worth pointing out in terms of using a blockchain-enabled solution is that the material journey is an immutable trusted record, which means from that perspective, the way in which the data is collected is easy. It's less disruptive to existing IT platforms. It's through a series of API plugins or equally in terms of data, up, data uploads using you know, simple um, scanners on uh, mobile phones, for example, or equally taking data as inputs directly from manufacturing and production systems. Over time, that data, and that richness of data allows us to start to help organizations forecast improving their resilience in the supply chain, improving the product resourcing, but equally helping them make changes to improve efficiency and performance management. Those insights enable us to not only work with stakeholders on a longer term basis, it enables them to provide those real change statements to make those changes systemic. And by creating that immutable record, the solution then enables businesses to track products and materials such that they can increase prices, for example, because as consumers, we're seeing more and more requirements on brands to demonstrate proof of provenance. And we're more than willing to pay an additional premium to show that you know, we would want to buy product that has the least harmful impact on the planet and our people. I'd like to close there and um, you know, it's an amazing journey that we're on. I think we've only just touched the surface of the materials and the organizations and the supply chains that we're tracing. We're already a global business. We're operating out of the US, the UK, Ireland, Europe, Germany, 
Singapore and Australia. And that complexity of supply chains as a business for us is enabling us to grow at pace, at scale. And I would expect that to continue. And, you know, being at COP26 next week, one of the shout outs to Tech UK, thank you, is that they are launching the um, a report on technologies for climate tech and the impact that they're having and Circular is featured as one of those companies that is making a genuine real world difference. And that's enabled by blockchain. Thank you. Hello, my name's Alex Davis and I'm the head of technology audit at 6.6. Today, I'll be discussing blockchain and security, what you need to know, part of Tech UK's blockchain basic series. I'll discuss three areas of interest, the Byzantine General's problem, smart contracts, and data. In its simplest form, the Byzantine General's problem is a number of generals who are attacking a fortress. They must decide as a group only whether to attack or withdraw. Some generals may prefer to attack, while others prefer to withdraw. The important thing is that all the generals agree on a common decision. For a half-hearted attack by a few generals would be disastrous and would be worse than either a coordinated attack or a coordinated withdrawal. This problem is complicated by the presence of treacherous generals who may cast a vote for a suboptimal strategy and on purpose. For instance, if five generals are voting, two support attack and two support withdrawal. The final general may vote for withdrawal to those generals in favour of withdrawal and vote for attack for the rest, resulting in a failed mission. The problem is complicated further by the generals being physically separated and having to send their votes via messengers who may fail to deliver votes or may forge false votes. Byzantine's general's problem occurs in blockchain as Byzantine fault tolerance where a node is impaired by attackers. This interferes with the blockchain's ability to agree on the verification of transactions, which leads me to the 51% attack. So what is a 51% attack? Blockchain uses the consensus protocol where the majority of nodes must agree to the solved work of a miner. Typically, mining typically requires a vast amount of computing power especially for large-scale public blockchains. But if a miner or a group of miners can rally enough resources, they can attain more than 50% of a blockchain's network mining power. And having more than 50% of the power means having control over the ledger and the ability to manipulate it. So how is this conducted? A malicious actor will generally build their own version of a blockchain offline and then submit it later into the existing blockchain exceeding the 50% threshold needed to conduct an attack, and the network catastrophically fails. This allows them to exclude new transactions from being recorded, modify the ordering of transactions, prevent transactions from being validated or confirmed, block other miners from mining coins, and reverse transactions to double spend coins. So let's talk through a double spend example. To perform a double spend, the attacker mines a private blockchain that is greater than the honest blockchain it is attempting to default. Block one records a transaction of a thousand Bitcoin on our example. On the honest blockchain, 
the ledger balance is reduced to zero. On the attacker's blockchain, the ledger remains at 1,000, as if the transaction never happened. The attacker introduces their offline blockchain, which is larger than the honest one. Now, according to protocol, the heaviest blockchain is accepted. In our example, that is the attackers. So the honest blockchain takes the consensus of the greater number of blocks as the truth and sets the ledger balance to 1,000. So how do we defend against the 51% attack? Blockchain consensus mechanisms basically help guarantee that all nodes on a network are synchronized and its transactions are legitimate. Such consensus mechanisms are necessary for blockchain networks to ensure that every node is connected to the same network and all transactions are regularly verified. Proof of a denim is a set of rules which delay newly mined blocks from performing all activities for a predefined time, thus preventing the injection of a newer, larger block. It works in two stages. The first is it is a verification of the initial block introducing the broadcast for an adjourned period. Second, each block introduced is sorted based on their large size transactions. The block with the most large size transactions is selected as confirmed as the block. Let's move on to smart contracts. So Jeff Garzik says smart contracts, they guarantee a very, very specific set of outcomes. There's never any confusion and there's never a need for lit litigation. And this is a very ideal world statement here about the opportunities and use cases for smart contracts. However, obviously without good security, these contracts can be manipulated to lead to a very different outcome than those intended. So smart contracts are just programs and programs have bugs. They're open to malicious actions on their methods and functions. Smart contracts are typically written in, in Solidity, which is a compiled, strongly typed, high level language similar to Java. Some vulnerability examples that exist in smart contracts are reentrance, improperly restricted functions, and oracle manipulation. So some examples of vulnerabilities being exploited. So in 2016, the DAO suffered an attack where an if statement was added to the code. A re-entered code in the contract before the balance was set to zero. This repeated a number of times, resulting in $70 million being stolen. Improperly restricted functions. In 2017, Parity Wallet, a widely used library, its key function was callable to anyone. The contract was destructed and broke all third-party integrations, resulted in $300 million of frozen assets. Oracle manipulation. A blockchain oracle is a third-party service that connects smart contracts to the outside world, primarily to feed information into contracts. There was a bug with an incorrect usage of a price oracle. It generated fake prices to get more share than was expected for their deposit. And then they replaced the origins price through their share, resulting in $30 million being stolen. So how do we defend against these attacks? Solidify is being updated frequently, so it's important to patch. Good software development lifecycle rules and involve security. Test your code and use secure coding practices. 
including completing any internal functional work before calling external function. And you could use mutual exclusion to lock states. Data created on the blockchain is immutable. So how do we protect that data forever? So as we know, blockchain is an immutable ledger. So you cannot delete them and they're publicly available. But why is this a problem? Quantum computing will change the face of encryption. Public key cryptography is widely used on networks, including the internet, to ensure communications are kept secure. PKC works by using difficult mathematical problems and algorithms to establish and share keys and to underpin non-repudiation. It has been theoretically demonstrated as a large general purpose quantum computer can easily solve these mathematical problems. So the threat, a threat exists, but data harvested now can be decrypted in the future should the attacker gain access to a cryptographically relevant quantum computer. These actors would also have the ability to forge digital signatures and impersonate a legitimate private key owner. AES128 and less, as well as asymmetric ciphers, RSA, Diffie-Hellman and elliptic curves are vulnerable to potentially being broken in 50 years. Immutable ledgers should consider quantum resistance. So how do we mitigate against this? Quantum safe cryptography. This replaces the quantum vulnerable mathematical problems used in PKC with mathematical problems that are believed to be intractable for both classic and quantum computers. Both key agreement and digital signatures can be made quantum safe and can be implemented in both software and hardware. So NIST standards process draws on the cutting edge research from academia, industry, and governments worldwide. NCSE guidance for quantum safe algorithms will follow the outcome of the NIST standards process by recommending specific algorithms for representative use cases. And these are expected between 2022 and 2024. Once NIST standards are in place, it is expected that protocols, IPsec, TLS, etc., will be updated to support quantum-safe quantum cryptography. Organizations should factor the threat of quantum computer attacks into their long-term roadmap. So summary, there's a growing number of use cases being developed for blockchain. To ensure its continued growth and use, we need to ensure it is appropriately protected. Thank you for listening to this conversation at Tech UK.